enjoying who I'm with and, and what I'm doing and how I'm spending my time. It is, am I happy to swap my time? Am I enjoying, am I comfortable swapping my time for money, for this money? So in, in a professional setting, are the people that I'm working with giving me energy or taking my energy? Am I, am I, pro, am I making positive impact here? Is there a future here in terms of uh, improvement and, and things moving forward? Am I motivated by this project? Am I motivated by these people? Do I enjoy going to work every day? And, and I could talk about this for, for hours, but what I, what I will say is that every single thing I've just mentioned is in, a, is in, in the product that myself and John Noonan just, just created. It's called the Triple F model, Family Fulfillment and Finance. And, and it's a manual that, that's going to facilitate people to try and A, identify what it is that's going to fulfill them and, and how they can achieve that. Welcome to the Platform to Perform podcast, the podcast for coaches, athletes, and anyone looking to perform at their highest level. If performance is your goal, we aim to provide you with the platform to perform. This is episode 51, and on today's episode, I have returning guest, Josh Fletcher. In today's episode, we've taken a little bit of a left field stance, and we're going to talk about career development, or more specifically, as Josh puts it, career periodization. In today's episode, we talk about how Josh came up with his breaker, fliver, survivor, and redefiner model, and what this means for career development. We talk about the impact that writing and developing the coach's journal has had on Josh's career to date. And we also talk about the concept of career periodization. Hope you enjoy the episode. Let's get to it. Hi, Josh. Round two. Let's uh, kick things off. For those who didn't listen to our previous podcast, which mainly discussed strength and conditioning for the special forces. Do you want to give the listeners a whistle-stop tour of how you effectively come full circle to what we're going to talk about today, which is uh, career and personal development for strength and conditioning coaches? Yeah, I'll I'll really keep it a whistle-stop tour this time. The last time around, I went into a lot of detail. So if you do want to hear a little little bit more about the journey, then please check out the, the first podcast. So essentially failed rugby player, moved from fitness instructor to fitness manager, fitness manager to personal trainer. That was in city centre Manchester. Then uh, as a personal trainer, I was, I was, I was earning very well. I was earning about 50 K and then I just jacked it all, all in to do an unpaid internship in, in Sheffield and with the English Institute of Sport. <clears throat> from there, I did eight, eight months and I, I learned a hell of a lot there and took a lot of great things away. I moved over to English Institute of Sport in Manchester, where I fumbled my way to a job, shall we say. And I then I then moved on to professional rugby when that job kind of came, came to a close, um, not necessarily on, uh, on terms that I wanted. I then did three and a half years, I think it was at Rotherham, three and a half years, which are absolutely brutal. Uh, two years, uh, really great experiences. And then probably one and a half of, you know, just on a downward spiral, which really sucked the life out of me and my passion and love for the industry. Then thank, thanking my lucky stars, I, I managed to muster up enough, um, uh, what's the right word, not courage, but uh, smarts, should we say, to to go to India, a place where I totally refound myself and my love for the for the industry, and and kind of put myself back together, really put myself back on the map. And the full details again are in that first podcast. So, what what an incredible experience! I could talk about that all day. 
but what what each of these steps has done is has laid laid the foundations for kind of where I am now. And then I, I, I from from India, I moved over to Romania to work with the special forces there. So I did three and a half years with with those guys, uh, and I was training both recruits and some of their operators, and also some of the U.S. operators at, at times as well. I've most recently started some work with Hintzler Performance, uh, where I'm doing some work with their corporate clients and also doing a doing some work with their Formula 2 racing driver. That's in the very early stages at the moment, though. Then alongside this, I have kind of gone back to becoming self-employed and I have created a company called The Career Blueprint. And that is probably where we're going to be talking a little bit about in this this episode, I guess. And something you said there uh, about courage versus smart. So we discussed burn the boats briefly in the uh, previous podcast. Now, for those who aren't aware of the analogy, again, I won't go into the specific detail, but it's to do with a ironically uh, military or war scenario where uh, you invaded a certain country and the general instructed his men to basically burn the boats so it was basically we either win this battle or we die we can't go back so the analogy applies to business concepts in terms of uh, going all in but you explained the nuances behind what some people don't necessarily see when they perhaps perceive it to be either a really smart decision to go all in in terms of business or a really stupid one because you've got no backup plan. Um, do you want to elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, I mean, I can use myself as an example. So I, I, I quit my, um, I, I quit my job and my life. Basically, I just ditched the whole lot and, and to go and do an unpaid internship. But what I didn't say in the first episode was that that I'd been working with a, a life coach with done a skill swap. So I was personal training him and he was doing some life coaching with me and we, he'd done some NLP on me, some neuro linguistic programming. Um, and he essentially brought my subconscious desires. He brought them to the forefront. And my desire was to work with elite athletes. And my desire was to, to, train individuals and get and, and for, to, to, to train people that were motivated and that wanted it more than I did and that I could help them improve on their career pathway and give them something that I never had which was talent I guess or facilitate their talent should we say so so what he did is he made he made the noise of what I wanted to achieve so profound that there was never any any way that I was not going to do it he he facilitated me to create actions on a daily basis which laid not just you know think about it in terms of building a house well this was like putting the grains of sand in place to try and create the cement which was going to create which was going to build the bricks or or put the bricks in place it was going to hold the bricks in place and and this is what this guy helped to do for me and day every single day I was just creating this um this binding agent if you like which was which was locking together all of my, my my actions were locking together the 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 bridge that I was going to walk on to get to where I wanted to be and and I was building it as I went, but it wasn't because I didn't have a really very crystal clear pathway and journey and and um, and uh, a, a clear direction as to what I was going to do. I had a relentless mentality that I was if someone told me. I, I like to say that I've never had a problem that I couldn't outwork. 
And recently I've come, uh, yeah, I, I've never had a problem I couldn't outwork because outworking something for me means going and finding a solution in the right place. And if that means consulting someone who knows more or better than me that can help me understand me a bit better, then, then I'm more than happy to do that. And that's what I consider to be like smarts. Then, you know, you might also, one might also say that, um, that jacking in um, the rugby and moving to India was, was burning the boats. Nope. That was a, a pure calculated decision and following a dream that I'd set for my entire life. And my friends thought I was absolutely nuts. What are you going to do if it doesn't work out? What do you mean? I'll come back. It's not the end of the world, is it? I'll, I'll come back or I'll, move, I'll, I'll go somewhere else. Um, you know, I'd always wanted to work abroad, live abroad, experience different cultures, places. And, and, and I really needed an escape. I really had to get out of where I was because what a lot of people in my world at that point didn't know is how much I was struggling. So, you know, maybe that's my fault for not opening up a little bit more, but I can look back and say that people didn't know. And if people don't know, then they think what you're doing is, is wacky and out of character and, and it's not. So there's a lot of context that goes to things like burn the boat statements and, and these broad, huge statements that, that, that people make that, you know, are oh, you nuts? I can, I can never do that. Well, maybe if you're in my shoes, you would do it. You'd be, you'd be running for the hills. So, uh, and then, you know, you might say I, I left India and I left India without another job to go to. The, the contract that with the Romanian special forces with Exos was only about 80 or 90% done. So I took a massive punt. I didn't renew my visa and I just left and I said, look, I'm leaving. I'm going to go to, um, I'm going to go to, to Greece where my, my fiance at the time uh, was, was working and I'm going to stay there. And if this comes off great, if it doesn't, well, there we go. I'll, I'll live. I'll find another option. So. And just to quickly revisit something you mentioned at the end of our last podcast, and uh, that was the mind journal. Um, so you said there about maybe you could have opened up more to friends, family, and you're talking about how you talk to them. How much in the last few years has how you've talked to yourself changed and how has that journal helped you do that? So I've, I've only really recently, um, I've only really recently got this journal and Sam Portland put me onto it. Um, so I've only started using it maybe in the last this year, but, but since, since India or on the way to India, there's just been a huge journey of like of self-awareness, self-reflection and, and trying to put a lot of demons to bed re- relation to the uh, relate in relation to like things that have happened in my, in my career as a lone ranger. Like I'm, I've, I've always done things like the hard way, I suppose. And I've always failed forward, but that doesn't come without like picking up a lot of scars and uh, along the way. But uh, I like to say that there's there's good friction and there's there's bad friction. Good friction is something that can promote you to some sort of positive change. Uh, and then an example would be like, you know, if your shoes are rubbing, well, that's a sign that you need to make some change. You need to put a pair of different pair of socks on, change your shoes for the activity you're doing, or maybe put, put a compete on. If you don't, and you keep going and going and going and going and going and going and going. And that's when you end up with a hole in your foot. And I've seen people's holes in their foot from the world, from the military world. And that is nasty. It's a hole, an actual hole. And that stops you doing what you want to do and what you need to do. So that's the equivalent of, you know, that's an injury. That's a brain, that's a breakdown. That's, and that can be physical and mental. So I had a lot of those, I had a lot of those, um, 
kind of negative scar tissue or negative friction situations where I never had a breakdown, but I guess if I'd ever gone to see a doctor or something, they'd probably have diagnosed me with something. But, you know, I, I, I made the decision to get out and I made the decision. Yeah, I ran away, but I, I ran to somewhere where I thought the answers would be and, and they were. So I, I, again, kind of manufactured that situation, I suppose. And just staying on the journaling uh, side of things for a little bit longer, what, what does your either monthly, weekly, daily journaling practice look like? And how does that, I suppose, could you walk the listener through how the Mind Journal helps you do that and how that's impacted your performance? Yeah, so I've been I've been journaling on and off now for for a while, but it's only really from this mind journal I've added some structure to it, and I would use it as a way to just get everything out of my head and and onto a piece of paper. I, I called it a brain dump, where everybody know well. I don't. I guess everybody doesn't know, but at night that's when that's when a lot of um, processing takes place. So a lot of the the trash. I, I like to think of like pieces of paper getting uh, screwed uh, screwed up, screwed up screwed up and, and thrown in the bin and that's what that's what happens overnight like those things that you don't need your, your brain will process and remove them but I was getting stuck and sticky on, on lots of things that actually weren't that important I was I was giving away too many of my limited fucks to things that weren't important and I decided that I the the, the mind journal has really helped me to focus on three specific fucks that I want to give and that is family fulfillment and finance um, and, and that's a product that I'm working on at the moment with uh, with another coach, John Noonan, relating to making decisions and 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 how you can really try and find a little bit more of yourself as a practice as more than just a practitioner. Um, and so, so the journaling is brilliant for me to take it out of here and put it onto a piece of paper. So I'm I'm Mr. More and Better. I've described myself as, and nothing's ever good enough. Um, but you know what? Sometimes it is. And journaling has helped me to realize, yeah, you actually did it right there and helped me to realize that a great, a great phrase from Dave Hemra was uh, good enough, move on. So Gimo or Gemo, uh, good enough, move on. And so much of what we do and, and, and the tasks that we have to do on a daily basis, good enough, move on is absolutely fine. So I'm, I'm fed up of letting, you know, perfectly the enemy of good so that what the mind journal has done for me is, is added structure to all of these thoughts I'm, i've never been too far off the mark with what they're talking about but what i can do is i can solidify goals i can do check-ins with their kind of emotional reviews that they that they have i can i can that their tasks and their their exercises are really fun and interesting and and it's a safe space to it's kind of like some sort of safe therapy for people who are independent want to do it themselves and either don't want to go and see some see somebody or they're not quite there yet or whatever their reason is for not wanting to see a professional it's, it's a great way to to check in with yourself um you don't have to have anything wrong with you but it just helps to give you some mental clarity which which essentially makes me a better person practitioner coach and an individual really so it's it's been brilliant for me yeah, and just listening to you speak there reminds me of um, a former podcast uh, guest, uh, Mark Robinson, and in one of his PDFs, which was to do with goalkeeper psychology, he mentioned that the language we use when it comes to 
the mental side of things. He said you'd never say that a player was seeing a strength and conditioning coach. And yet it's talked about, you know, massive league footballers seeing psychologists as if like it's a negative thing. Or, for example, as if journaling or seeing a psychologist or speaking to a therapist is negative when actually it's a part of the performance puzzle. Yeah. And, and, and we're going to move on to this in um, we're going to move on to this later, I think, because it's, it's topical. Why? Why is it OK for an athlete to see? We're seeking performance for someone else's career. We're investing our time and our effort into someone else's career and someone else's pathway that we're making their career, our career. And we fundamentally advise people to see performance-based psychologists, to see nutritionists, to see all these different things. Why are we not doing the same as coaches? Why are we not getting our house in order, our ducks in a row inside our own heads and inside our, you know, our lives when we're advising our athletes to do it? How hypocritical, how hypocritical is that? And, and I'm, you know, this mind journal is a great way to kind of walk the talk a little bit. And also to, it's made me a better coach because it allows me to, it allows me to articulate from a standpoint of vulnerability in the sense that I can tell people that I, that I journal and that the type of journal that it is and the reasons why, and they nine times out of 10 people are intrigued and interested and, it's a it's a plus it's a strength it's, it's not a weakness yeah and i also think there's something to be said for getting stuff down on paper i mean up until i mean i need to get back into it in all fairness but tim ferris has a chapter in one of his books where he talks about uh five minute journaling practice and it's basically preparing your mind for what's going to happen today and it's like what are three good things what would make today a good day or three good things that would make it a good day. It's like, how are you going to do that? And then you do the same in the evening. It's like name three good things. It's like, even if today was absolute rubbish, it's forcing you to focus on gratitude and that consistency of writing it down. And you'll probably find those change week to week, day to day, and even year to year. Like for example, when you're in younger days, it might be all career driven. And as you said, as you get older, it's like, Oh, there's probably things equally or more important than how I identify myself in a work environment. Yeah. And, and what you've just described is that attention energy flows where attention goes. So if you're putting your attention towards positive things, then that's where your energy is going to flow. And equally, if you're putting your attention towards work all the time, that's where your energy is going to flow, which means you're saturated, you're worn out, you don't have anything left to give the, the other people in your life. So if you're focusing your, your family fulfillment and finance, they're the three fucks that I give these days. And making sure that my, my family are, are, are coming first, that, I've got, that I'm present and that I'm engaging and I'm doing what I need to and, and what I want to and what they need, they're getting what they need and what they want that financially I'm setting myself up for, for the future and that I'm making smart decisions with, with money that I do have or money that I don't have and fulfillment and that the, the, the activities that I do work-wise, both professionally, professional, like I have to enjoy it. If someone's a dickhead, I'm not working with them. Like you, you can offer me a lot of money, but I'm not going to sell my soul to work with someone I don't want to work with. And, you know, I've been, in a situation where I've worked with people I didn't like and, and I'll never do it again, regardless of how much they're offering. But that fulfillment also works for your personal life. Like what is it you want to, 
what's your per- what's your guiding principles like what's your personal vision and and what are your 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 personal values that you you want to live your life by and then really are are you doing that um and and that's something that you know i've got from the mind journal and i've adapted to a couple of products for for the career blueprint as well and just before we do dive into the career blueprint and i appreciate this is i suppose a bit of a big question to discuss on a podcast but in terms of fulfillment have you thought deeply about exactly what represents fulfillment to you and I suppose how you'll know if you're on the right track or is it just a sort of as you said a feeling of how much you're enjoying what you're doing and who you're spending time with I know exactly what it is it is enjoying who I'm with and and what I'm doing and how I'm spending my time it is Am I happy to swap my time? Am I enjoying, am I comfortable swapping my time for money, for this money? So in in a professional setting, are the people that I'm working with giving me energy or taking my energy? Am I I making positive impact here? Is there a future here in terms of uh, improvement and, and things moving forward? Am I motivated by this project? Am I motivated by these people? Do I enjoy going to work every day? And, and I could talk about this for, for hours, but what I, w- what I will say is that every single thing I've just mentioned is in, a, is in, in the product that myself and John Noonan just, just created. It's called the Triple F model, Family Fulfillment and Finance. And, and it's a manual that, that's going to facilitate people to try and A, identify what it is that's going to fulfill them and, and how they can achieve that. And then uh, systems and strategies for, for making your decisions in line with the 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 triple f model from from a personal perspective i a massive work on for me is presence and being present i I don't always have to be physically present in somebody's life but i have to be there when i'm there and not elsewhere in my mind so i've always got so many things going on in my head that i'm trying to just set aside all of my distractions and be proactive with that so that when I'm with the person or the people that I'm supposed to be with, I'm with them. Um, And what I actually say is what I've started doing now is I I don't, I try not to have my phone anywhere near me when I'm with my, my partner and my kid, because it might sound a bit callous, but I'm living in France. Now, if something happens to those two people, I'm there. If something happens to, somebody one of my friends in a different country there's nothing that i can do within that in that instant there's nothing that can't wait 50 minutes 20 minutes an hour a couple hours if there's been an accident in the uk the accident is still going to be there and and it's not going to make a difference between me getting there or not getting there one or two hours if that makes sense yeah it sounds like a bit of an extreme example but um, you know, fulfillment for me is really now about being trying to be present and as, be- as best I can and present in my thoughts and in the moment. Um, it's a really tough thing to do. I've always struggled with it, but I'm, I'm really quite fighting quite hard for that. I feel like that leads uh, quite nicely into how you've gone about categorizing um, coaches in discussions that we've had in the sense of, and again, maybe this is just me speaking from my own experience, but I feel like when you're earlier in your strength and conditioning career, it's almost like, right, well, you know, I'm Josh, the strength and conditioning coach, and you don't really have time for, you know, Josh, the husband, Josh, the father, whatever. Um, 
But I think as you get more and more experienced, you think, you know what? I'm not solely defined by this job role and I shouldn't be either. Um, but you just want to talk about how you've gone about categorizing um, different coaches and where this idea came from? Yeah, well, there's a, there's a natural evolution that happens in life and that changes the way you look at your, your profession and your, your industry, your job. So I, I've come up with some, I've attached some terminology and, and I haven't done it to ruffle feathers. I haven't done it to be some sort of innovator or anything like that. I've done it because I think it's really important that people start understanding that everybody has a different view of the world and a different lens that they look through. And what's really going to be really helpful for people in our industry to do is start to understand, hang on a minute, how do the people in a different phase or stage of their career actually think? How do they operate? Where is their brain? What choices are they willing to make? What, how are they making their decisions? And what principles are they using to guide their decision making? So the four categories that I've kind of bundled people together into, and this is a, this is a flow. I mean, it's, it's like fitness. It's not your fit or your unfit. It's a, it's a spectrum. So you can be anywhere on this, on this spectrum and you can jump around depending on what the job role is or the, the pathway you take. So the first one is a breaker. A breaker is an individual who is trying to get their first step on the ladder. Their first, they're trying to achieve that first run. They're typically around a 20 to sort of 23 years, year old age. Um, maybe if somebody's done a career swap, then they could be a little bit older. And they're typically finishing up their studies. They are, or they're finishing, or they have just finished their studies. They typically are looking for, they have engaged in uh, unpaid work or an internship. They're looking to get that first job. They're willing to work a lot of hours for probably not enough money or not a lot of money. And I say willing, as in they will do it. They might not like doing it, but they'll do it. And they're probably willing to and able to move to different areas of the country and uh, or different areas of the world the the work is definitely number one priority they're quite career focused at this particular juncture and and I don't mean these things to sound judgmental it's just my observations having worked with people from all these categories in for my entire career and also the conversations that I've had have really kind of made the penny drop with me over the last couple of months so that would be a breaker. Uh, and then you can go into the next category, which is a survivor. Uh, you might also call that a climber. Uh, but a survivor is an individual who has got their first rung on the ladder, which typically would be a, a, a full-time paid role and um, or, or multiple jobs, which you know maybe make up close to a full-time role. And these guys are probably around 22, 23, up to maybe 27, 28. And they typically are still a bit career, they're still quite career focused towards the end of this phase. Maybe they're looking at setting down some route somewhere. They're starting to see some of the frailties in the industry as in it's not all rainbows and puppy dogs and, and that, you know, they are understanding that there are, there are some vulnerabilities, but they're still kind of pedal down and pushing, pushing, pushing for the next job. Uh, tend to be a little bit more and better and always looking for a promotion or the next <clears throat> the next big thing for them they maybe are looking at trying to get a little bit more uh, income but they're not necessarily thinking about divorcing their time from their money yet they they are probably still willing to move around for a job 
they're probably still willing to make social and personal sacrifices for a job, uh, choices, not sacrifices. And they are probably putting their priorities, probably work still and less so family and fulfillment. But maybe in this stage, they're starting to think about some roots. Uh, then we will move on to the thrivers. Thrivers are maybe that 27, 28 year old up to 35 plus, And you can kind of sit in this category for a long time if you choose to. A thriver would probably probably be the person that's uh, a part of the group that's doing the employing. They would be normally a, a, a managing people, a lead or a head of a head of a role, head of a department, maybe. And they are probably becoming very aware of the frailties of the industry. They are probably wanting to seek out situations and scenarios where they have a little bit more stability and control. And they are also probably trying to understand that uh, they're probably that the appeal of becoming self-employed and doing things for themselves and being their own boss is probably growing likely or, or close to likely they're, they're, they're looking at uh, family or they've got a family by this point or, or a partner, a stable partner. And if they're looking to set down roots, then they're probably less keen to up sticks and move to the other end of the country or the world. Uh, obviously this is individual dependent. So that, that, um, that group it kind of blends in really with the redefiners and the redefiners really are probably the people that have maybe had enough of the industry from a, it, it's, it's, um, it's control over them and their life. And they don't really, they're not prepared or happy to swap their time for money in, in the same context. So they, they don't like the fact maybe that they can get chewed up and spat out by a, a club or an organization without really any sort of stability or security there. So they're more than likely looking to or setting themselves up to become self-employed. They are probably trying to give back to the, to the strength and conditioning world a little bit by mentoring or training trainers. That sort of thing is quite common these days. And um, maybe these guys are around that 30 mid thirties upwards mark. And they're, they're really looking for a little bit more control over their, their own pathway in their, their career. So the two categories, I, I guess the, the, I would say you've got the breakers, survivors, and then the other two, like the thrivers and redefiners, you probably term them veterans. And what's, what the, the reason why I came up with this is because it became, it's become really, really obvious to me with, with, with a lot of market research I've been doing for the career blueprint that, I, I would probably sit at one end of the spectrum based on having around that 10 years worth, 10 plus years of experience. I'll probably sit at one end of the spectrum and I'm trying to sell products to individuals at the other end of the spectrum. And I don't have a clue how a 21 year old thinks 22, 23. I don't have a bloody clue. Like my view and my lens of the world is based around my particular environment and what I've gone through my experiences. I've gone through a hell of a lot more than they've gone through professionally. So I can see things that they can't see. I can plan, I can see things coming because that's the, the, that comes with um, foresight, that comes with experience, that comes with age, maturity, and, and that's absolutely normal. But what, what we're trying to get here is one group of people at one end of the spectrum to, to understand the people at the other end of the spectrum because the thrive, the veterans are going to be the ones doing the employing of the breakers. So the breakers need to understand how the thrivers and the redefiners think in order to, put themselves across in the correct way to get in the yes pile and also to, to get the job. 
Uh, and, and the guys at the other end, the thrivers and the, and the redefiners, are creating materials and products and courses and educational um, resources for, for the guys at the other end. And, and if two groups don't understand each other, then it's not going to be a match made in heaven. So by, by kind of attaching these labels, it maybe helps people to, to think, okay, a thriver or a survivor or a, or, or a, or a breaker, where am I? Who am I? Where do I see it? Where do I want to be? How does someone think that's in a different category and, and I need to seek someone out who's done what I want to do or is in a category that I want to get to or a stage in their career that I want to get to. And, and for me, that doesn't that doesn't happen enough. So I think that's, you know, a, a bit of a fundamental thing and, and probably why I've created the career blueprint, if I'm honest. And one of the questions uh, that I posed to you on our offer chats um, when I uh, looked at your coach's journal is how would you interrupt the thought processes of, for example, um, a breaker? So if you, you said yourself that you're as someone who's not 21 anymore, you're not necessarily aware of how a 21 year old thinks. So how would you get them thinking about this longer term stuff? So if I'm 21 and I'm just like, I just want that first paid role I'll move anywhere, do anything versus are you really going to be sacrificing that much time for that little money to not see family and friends? Like, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. It's, it's not necessarily about um, reprogramming. It's about facilitating them to get what they want. And once they've kind of got what they want, it's going to become a little bit easier for them to open their mind and their eyes to, to the real world. A lot of these things happen with maturity and, and I, I, I really created this, this career blueprint because it was very throughout my career that I, I've picked up a lot of scars and there's a few scars is cool. A few scars you can learn from, but I got some real big scars. I'm head to toe in them. And I don't necessarily think that it doesn't have to be like that for everybody. It doesn't have to be uncomfortable and painful experiences that you can't seem to move past. Uh, you can be guided in order to make good decisions, which future you so I, I made some shit decisions that josh right now is annoyed with josh 10 years ago about so but it doesn't have to be like that as a breaker i did things and i said things and i i you know i operated in a way that probably was slowing down my pathway in my journey rather than accelerating it so these are the types of things that we want to try and facilitate the 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 new generation to understand but you you can't you can lead a horse to water, but you can't always make it drink. So the proof is kind of in the pudding. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to work with quite a few different guys that have really bought into what we're trying to do and what I'm saying. But the, the, the easy answer to your question is slowly, very, very slowly, because this is a group of individuals who are fully understanding that they want to, they, they, they have a, they have a goal, but, they're not really understanding the steps to get there. They think it's easy. It's not. They think it's going to happen easy. It's not. They think it's going to drop in their lap. It's not. They think they're going to get in a yes pile. They're probably not unless they sort out the first step, which is their CV and their cover letter. They ain't getting in the yes pile because of 200 applicants and maybe a quarter of those are engaging in professional services to help them with these things that are going to get them in. Once they get in, or get to the interview, you need a whole new batch of skills. Once you get into the job, you need a whole new batch of skills, which 
I didn't possess. None of my colleagues will identify as possessing. Yet we have a whole bunch of breakers who think they do possess these things. Nope. Rude awakening coming. Sorry. Yeah, it's the classic, uh, um, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but the classic Dunning-Kruger effects where people who enter the industry feel like they're filled with so much knowledge and don't know what they don't know, which I suppose was where my question was um, going there in terms of interrupting the thought processes because so many people think, well, I've got my sports science degree. Now I'm just waiting for an Olympic team to come knocking. Yeah, well, you can't do any of these things until you're known, liked and trusted. So I can't just go on, get on a call with someone and say, look, mate, newsflash, you ain't getting in the yes pile. It doesn't work like that. You're not going to make it. If you carry on down this pathway, it's going to be a slow and painful journey for you. You can't, you can't say that. You have to help them explore what they want and ask them if they've considered all these different things and at which point they'll probably say no, 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 no. Oh, geez. Um, are other people doing this? Yeah, they are about a quarter, maybe a third of the other people applying will be doing these things. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. I, I, I need to put my head above the crowd because the crowd is huge. And the crowd is only growing by the day. And uh, something I jotted down from uh, listening to you speak earlier was when you said about moving to India and for example, your friends thinking you were nuts. Um, when it comes to being guided by yourself, versus say having a mentor to bounce ideas off how do you effectively calibrate what is more noise and what is signals that you should be listening to because i know it's easy to listen to friends family and it's easy to get swayed by people saying oh well what if it all goes wrong or equally you might want to think well yeah shit what what if it does go wrong what's what's going to happen yeah i i think um Initially, initially, um, that that fundamentally comes down to your guiding principles and your and your personal vision. So my personal values and are very set, and your personal values don't tend to change throughout your entire life. And that would normally be how somebody might describe you. So for me, it would be like uh, outgoing. It'd be adventurous. It'd be like a bit fun-loving, kind, uh, generous. Um, forward thinking proactive you know these are the types of things i describe myself as and and i would also come up with a bunch of words and then if you asked a lot of people that knew me most of these a lot of these words keep recurring these are pretty much your guiding principles uh your guide your core values and they don't change throughout your entire life but what does change is your personal vision so you don't i i didn't know where i wanted to be in three five ten years time but i had some big rocks in place I knew that I wanted to work abroad. I knew that by a certain age, I wanted to have a property and, and have no mortgage on that property. I knew that I wanted to create some financial stability. I always knew I wanted children. I always knew that I wanted to, you know, experience other cultures. So, so I did know these big rocks. What I didn't know was the path, the exact pathway and journey. When, when I, when someone would ask me what I wanted to do or be in the strength and conditioning world i would have always said at the very beginning i want to be a strength and conditioning coach for a rugby club on the south coast of france and that was it nothing else no other job if someone had said you'll end up in india and then working with special forces in romania and then a racing car driver i think what geez you're bonkers but the principles and the personal vision that i've had 
the dream of always wanting to work abroad has guided me and that, but given me the ability to flow and and that was a set that's essentially what career periodization is and again that's something else that i'm that i'm working towards at the moment with the career blueprint is helping people to understand that they can take control of their pathway and they can have the career and the journey that they want if they have a lot of the principles in place that are going to help them to get there that they are setting themselves up for success as a survivor and a thriver when they're just a breaker not just a breaker when they are a breaker it's 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 the start of a journey but it's it's essentially putting the gps on and making sure that i, I can give a good example actually i had to drive to italy i had to drive nine hours in the car and for some reason the gps wasn't picking it up but i knew i had to go from where i am in leon i knew i had to go past Le- uh, milan uh, or near milan so i set the gps to milan and then I got to Milan and then I reset the GPS to the next big place I knew uh, and then the next big place until I got the exact address. And that's the example of the career. You don't know where you're, you know roughly where your final destination is, but pr- only in principle, you don't know that it's going to be at with the Romanian special forces or a racing car driver. You don't know that, but you know that you want to be open and, and mindful of lots of uh weird and wonderful opportunities that come your way, but they're not going to happen unless you're creating the fundamentals and putting the building blocks in place. Yeah. And and funny enough, that's exactly why I asked the question about fulfillment in the sense of, I can't remember the book it was that I read it in, but it talks about being specific with your goals as, you know, we all like to spout, but it also said as an example about one guy who's like, Oh, my dream is to be driving a Lamborghini. And it was some ridiculous story about how uh, this car manufacturer had to drastically reduce taxes or whatever it was. So they needed people to clock a load of miles up on these supercars so that they could basically inadvertently reduce their value. So they just started calling people saying, hey, do you want to drive a Lamborghini for a few weeks? And it's like, well, this guy had met his goal of driving a Lamborghini. But it's like, do you feel fulfilled? It's like, no, because I have to give it back at the end of the week. And it's like people attach, for example, fulfillment to a certain job role, a certain salary, a certain, I don't know, living in a certain place. And then you get to, I suppose, the top of the mountain and realize it was the wrong one. Yeah, I, I think the, the simple answer to that is you just you, you, you move the mountain or but it doesn't always have to be an uphill struggle. And every there is a bit of negativity towards goal setting at the moment. but. There's, a, there's negativity towards it because there's so much focus on the outcome and not the process. The process is what is going to give you the, the, the process of going through a career periodization blueprint and mapping out your career from a five-year or a quarterly annual perspective is that what that will do is it will help to build your foundations for you to build on however you so choose. And you can take that building in any direction in your career in any direction because you have the foundation to do that. And, you know, that's, that's very important for, for people to kind of wrap their heads around Um, goal setting. Do people goal set? Yeah. Everybody goal sets. And, but if you wake, if you make your bed in the morning, is that a goal? No, it's a habit. But for some people it might've started as a goal to drink a cup of water in the morning. Is that a a goal for some people? Yes. But for other people, it's a habit. Did it start as a, as a goal? Maybe, 
So if you can shift your goals towards habits, then you know you're in a you're in a good position. But this the the whole point is to of a, of a career blueprint and a of a of career periodization is to remove the stress and stress and pressure of the outcome. So remove the stress and pressure of a yes or a no by saying, I've done every single thing that I can in order to prepare me for this event. And if I don't win, I don't get it. It's because it's not right. It's not because I'm not good enough because I know I am. And I know, I understand that this no will get me closer towards a yes. And, and that's, that's the, the, the crux and the fundamentals of, of career periodization for me. So if we dive into how the coach's journal does that a little bit more uh, deeply, I guess, then do you want to walk the listeners through? So they purchase the coach's journal, which I had a look through, by the way, and I think it's fantastic. But what does that look like for the listeners? They open the coach's journal, just give us, I suppose, an overview and then take a deeper dive into sections of your choosing. Yeah, so the, the coach's journal is is uh, a way for coaches to take a little bit of responsibility and accountability for a couple of key areas. Number one of those, that the first of those would be networking. So their planning and understanding of how they're networking and their structure that they're following. And, and it's a way to keep a, a log and a record of everything that they're doing in a, in a really quite um, methodical but simplistic way, if you like. Then we have the reflection. So the reflection side of the journal relates to how you are, uh, how you observe your own training, your own coaching, and how you are making improvements based on what happens. So it uses a really basic three up, three down principle where you can essentially look at, you can look at three things that went really well. So you can reinforce some positive habits, and then you can you can look at uh, the things that you want to work on. Uh, then the, the the other major factor part of the of the journal and the process is a five-year plan and a, a one-year plan which is obviously broken down into into quarters now it all comes about because i i've i've been thinking for so long that as strength and conditioning coaches one of the primary skills that we need to have is is periodization we all understand what it is yet none of us are doing it for our careers and we need to begin in my opinion we need to begin to understand that you can't do everything at once because the same way as it would with an athlete, you get diminishing returns on each different area. So if you've got core competencies, which might be uh, networking, specific job preparation, which is things like CV, cover letter writing um, and uh, interview preparation, then you've got your experience, you've got your qualifications or your industry specific qualifications. You have your, um, uh, your full, your paid work, so your employment in there as well, if you have and your communication and things like self-awareness. So if you have all of those as your core competencies, at some point, one of those is going to hold you back. But you can build a structure and a, a program and a plan which facilitates you to understand when you're going to do something. So you don't just go chasing, chasing the certificate rainbow, which is never ending. And you don't invest your time poorly. You're investing your time exactly where you need to be in order to achieve your goals. Now, the goal really is to get a job. If you're a breaker, your goal is to get a job. That's your fundamental, first and foremost. That's the big rock. And in order to get the big rock in place, you track back, you reverse engineer and say, what is it I need to achieve prior to getting to a job? Okay, I need to have, uh, sorry, 
even more so, what is going to get me in the yes pile compared uh, ahead of these uh, 200 other applicants, which is approximately how many there is for most jobs these days, around 150, 200, 100 to 200, should we say? What's going to get me in the yes pile? Reverse engineer it, track it back. If you don't know what's going to get you in the yes pile, guess who you need to talk to? A thriver or a redefiner, because they're the ones doing the employing. So this whole process is really, the, the coach's journal is based around helping individuals to get a leg up. And that's that's a, a really, really important um, way for people to self-mentor, if you like, which is essentially what I did for most of my career. But if you if you can get a mentor and this person can guide you through this process, there's some great mentors out there, some great structures and, and processes that these people are employing who will walk you through the process. But for anyone and everyone, the coach's journal will help to a improve you as a practitioner by by reflecting more effectively and, and quantifying some of those with some of the statistical um, st- statistics that we've included in there and, and b help you to plan and, and, and network like a professional instead of just texting someone hey how you doing or dropping them a, a dm or whatever it is these days like no it doesn't work like that like you've got to be methodical you've got to be planned you've got to be structured and you've got to be organized with what you're saying and how you're saying it so th- those that's the crux of the the coach's journal really and you've kind of alluded to it there in terms of speaking to somebody from a different category how as well as that how else would you recommend driving self-awareness? So what I mean by that is, let's say I've bought the journal and I'm thinking, right, I need to assess myself in these different categories. How do you work out which one is going to shift the needle the most for you, if that makes sense? Because it's very easy as a coach new into the industry thinking, oh, well, I don't know anything about networking. I don't know anything about strength and conditioning principles. I don't know anything about this. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And and that's why you look at the big rocks. So you look at what you want to achieve over maybe a five year period and you say, what can I park? What can I put to the side? What can wait? And what do I need to do now? Or what, like, what do I need now, now? Uh, and then you start to you start to live some of the changes. So you so if you read about Brett, if you read Brett Bartholomew's book, don't read it, live it. So live it by start actioning the things that he's talking about, which will start to take care of self-awareness. It will start to take care of uh, things like communication skills and an awareness of your communication, all these types of things. If you can't afford to buy these sorts of books, these resources, these materials, then just start doing the absolute basics, which is using your two ears, your two eyes and your one mouth and the correct ratio, because Trust me, when I was, I've been in this position where I used my mouth too much and I didn't use my ears enough, when I was with some fantastically, uh, I wanted everybody to know how good I was. I don't matter. I didn't matter at that point. Who mattered was that 30-year experienced person sat in front of me who was giving me their time and I was too interested in talking to them about some program I'd written or how I'd built this thing on Excel or something. No, I should have been picking his brains and going as deep as he'd let me go with regards to what I can learn from him and what I can take away. There's so much experience out there that it's just, it's just remiss of people not to, not to listen more. And I can't remember if you mentioned this in our first podcast or in uh, this one, but you mentioned about, um, 
not getting a specific role because the performance director felt like you didn't have control over the athletes and athletes standing on squat racks and stuff like that. Was that feedback that you were specifically told? Did you ask for it? And how did you go about getting that feedback? Because I feel like a lot of times in SNC, like I've had it before where I've had applications, I've asked for feedback, but you don't actually know what it was that they were looking for. You just get a really generic, you're just not what we were looking for, or this candidate had this, that and the other. Yeah, well, it's it's a case of ask better questions, get better answers. And and when I actually confronted and um, I, I spoke to him after, I, I'm not even kidding you, this guy was dripping with sweat because I'd I'd confronted him and said, can you tell me why I didn't get the job? And and he 100% went down the, the route of the interview, 100%. And he stuck to that. And that's fine. You know, he stuck to his guns. I know it wasn't that because I've heard it from other people that it wasn't because of that. And the it, it was a it was a done deal. It was a decision that was already made, and and nobody would would tell me the truth. So that was like that was dishonest for me, and that, and that was cowardly. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd made my mistakes and all the rest of it, but I'd learned from them. Right? I I was prepared to learn from them. If someone had said had the guts to say, look, this this looks like carnage in here, then they'd come to me and said this is carnage, as opposed to saying I, I was asking for feedback regularly. And I was asking whoever, like, you know, what do you think of the session? How's it, how does it look to you? Is everything all right? Yeah, 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 all good, all good, all good. Oh, bang, you don't get the job. What? Come on, that's not cool. That's not how things should be done. You should be open and upfront and honest. Say, yeah, actually, now you mentioned it, it, you could have changed this and that. But with regards to an interview, I think this feed, feedback is, is fundamentally important. You, If you're seeking feedback from not getting a job, you need to ask the right questions and you need to have the guts to say, look, I'm sorry, but I, could we talk about this on the phone? Because this is, this is, you know, this happened to me before and I'm really keen to get into the industry. You need to sell your story in order to get what you want and what you need. And not, it's, I say sell, I mean, like you need to put yourself across because you need to learn from it. And in order to learn from it, to learn the correct lessons, you need to ask the right questions. Could you tell me what it was you were looking for? Could you tell me what the candidate had that I didn't have? Could you tell me if what your recommendations would be for me if I was going for another job tomorrow? What would you change about the way that I acted, presented myself or how I came across? Could you tell me if the way I answered this question resonated with you? Is it a good answer or does it need work? I feel like I dropped down on this particular question or this answer. Can you tell me whether this is dot, 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 dot? If you have a full list of really comprehensive questions, you can start to open up some of these people who are treating it as an exercise. Like they'll clam up and say, like, if, if someone ever doesn't give you feedback, then it's a shit company. You don't want to work for them. They're, they're, a, they're a shit house and you don't want to work for them, work for them and you, you're better off not there. If somebody does get on the phone to you, then they're giving you the time and effort. And what you need to do is really put your time and effort into creating good questions and uh, to get the answers that you want and you need and that you deserve as a, as somebody who didn't get the job. And just listening to you speak there. I mean, I've definitely been guilty of, although I've always asked for feedback if interviews haven't gone so well, and I've always immediately after coming out of the interview, I've written down all the questions they've asked. I'm a bit OCD when it comes to writing stuff down. And I've written down what my responses were just so, 
for example, if I'm asked a similar question at a different interview, I can be like, right, well, last time I said this, did that example that I gave hit the mark? Um, but something you've just mentioned there reminds me of a TED talk I literally watched yesterday, which I would highly recommend people uh, look up. It's by a guy called um, Zhai Zhang, and he talks about going into rejection therapy. And he mentions about he signed up to this course where the aim was to get rejected 30 days in a row. So he's like, you change what the parameter is. So you're not trying to get a yes. You're just simply trying to get someone to say no to you, to desensitize yourself to rejection. And he says that what he learned very quickly was in the first day, he went up to a stranger. He said, can I borrow a hundred pounds? Obviously the, before the bloke had even said no, he was running in the opposite direction. But on the third day, he said to, he knocked on a stranger's house. He said, oh, can I plant this flower in your back garden? And the bloke said, no. And he said, well, do you mind if I ask you why? He said, well, actually, yeah, that's fine. I've got a dog and he's going to tear the flower to bits. But if you knock on so-and-so's door, she's quite green fingered. She'd love you to. And he said, just by asking a better question and not running away and taking the rejection as a final ultimatum, he'd learned something and he got himself a referral. So what you're saying there, it pays to keep in touch with organizations because they might be like, well, being as you're actually keen to improve, we don't have a job, but I know somebody who might want someone with your qualities. But it's huge. But also think of this. How are you going to learn if you continue to think as a, if you're in a category in a stage of your career, how are you going to learn as a survivor, a breaker? How are you going to learn anything if you're not exposing yourself to the way the employer thinks? And the way the employer thinks is as a, thriver and a redefiner because normally that's the guys doing the employing so if you're not seeking out the advice of the the, the proper feedback from these people you're not gonna you're not gonna make it you you mentioned in our previous podcast that you'd quite like to spend a day uh, observing uh kirwan and flat and something he mentioned in a podcast of his that i listened to was when you are what you would define as a breaker and you're trying to get your foot in the door of that internship role or something like that, he mentioned you've got to ask better questions, as you've said, but you've got to identify the pain points for these people in order to leverage them giving you an opportunity to learn from them. Um, how would you go about identifying their pain points to then get yourself in the door, if that makes sense? They, they tell you on, on their job spec. They tell you, they tell you and you use your brain and you go, oh, okay. Well, if they are using, uh, what analysis materials are they using? Potentially, if they don't mention anything on their job spec relating to analysis material, maybe there's a gap in their analysis material. Maybe in an organization, there are so many different people that you can reach out to. I believe that in strength and conditioning, it's like, that most people can be got to most coaches can be got to with like one or two people removed. So, but don't just think about it from a, from a coach perspective. What about the players? What about the players that know players and the people that know people who know people to, to be able to tell you a little bit more information about what they're doing and how they're doing it. And, and you can really, if you really analyze and deeply look at a job spec, you can see where their pinch points are. You can see where they're looking for, for, for something to improve. And if you really understand the environment of that particular sport or industry, then really you can, you can make some impacts there as well. So it's, it's taking your, um, it's taking your, it's taking your blinkers off essentially, which, 
which is something again that happens as we get a little bit older and why people need mentors or some professional guidance is because as a as somebody who's got the blinkers off we can see where the issues are going to be for those breakers and those early survivors we can see where they're going to fall foul in five ten years time we can see how they're going to you know they're not necessarily setting themselves up for success yeah that makes perfect sense and is that's why i've asked you the questions i've asked you because the way that i look at strength and conditioning or the job roles i would like now and how that gives me what i want from life is much different to five years ago i mean i remember when we first spoke you said for example will what you're doing now allow you the flexibility to do the things that you want to do in five ten years time and if it's not you need to be thinking about what your current role looks like in 18 months two years three years and how to change that path if necessary yeah exactly it's it's you are in control you're the captain of your ship and it's it you don't always have to be in the dream job but you have to understand what that job is representing i never wanted to be a fitness instructor i wanted to be a personal trainer but i knew that job was representing uh my ability to communicate to manage to to earn my stripes and I knew that I wouldn't stay there long, but I gave myself a minimum and I learned everything I was. And I saturated myself and then I stayed for longer in order to make sure that I'd learned everything and I could push forward. And I've done that kind of my, my, my entire career um, and, I, and I thoroughly recommend it. But life is too short not to learn from other people's mistakes. So essentially find yourself a mentor who's made a lot of mistakes, find yourself uh, resources and materials which are guiding you away from making some of these mistakes because trust me you're going to make enough mistakes in your career without having to if someone can come in and they can reduce the severity of some of those or they can reduce the volume you're still going to feel like you made a ton of mistakes but you'll have just made a lot less and a lot less painful ones yeah and i think that's something that the reflection side of the coach's journal definitely helped with i mean i remember speaking to Dave Hembry years ago and his simple reflection was what was good what could be better how are you going to make it better and I think with reflection you've got to be very careful that it doesn't become reflection for reflection's sake because somebody has told you you know what it ought to be which is why I like the reflection in the coach's journal where it gets very specific and like you said it asks better questions than simply what went well today what could be better the, the, the specificity of it is important because it's broken down into the core competencies of a, of a good quality coaching session, which would be things like your logistics, your, uh, your communication, your planning of the, the content, and, and then, you know, how it actually unfolded and how it actually went and, and your, how you adapted to that. So those, those all relate to your outcomes, but they're all quite specific as well. So you're reflecting in a start, stop, continue manner in it's almost unavoid you, you almost when you say to somebody reflect sometimes they say oh i don't know what to write you can't not know what to write with the coach's journal because it's so specific what do i need to start doing with my logistics planning or do i need to stop doing and what do i need to continue doing what for exactly the same for uh programming exactly the same for communication you know so it's, so it's really quite straightforward yeah and i again forget whether it was off air or on air but I was saying to you about how it's so easy to become needlessly vague 
in the coaching or teaching industry when you say stuff like, oh, go and watch a coach who is better than you or who is in a position you want to be in. But then you forget what yeah. you're just watching them for. You're just like, oh, that session looked great, but you don't know why it ran so smoothly. You don't actually know what was good about it because you didn't go there with a specific intention of what you're trying to get from it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll keep I'll keep this answer a little bit short because I'm a bit conscious of time. Uh, I've got to go and pick Bam Bam up from the nursery shortly. Um, but with regards to that, people think it's easy. People think it's easy to organize a session of 60 people and that is because a professional is supposed to make it look easy you watch a sprinter you watch their technique you watch a football player and then you go down to the park and you try and do the same thing you're like what that wasn't as easy as it looked how does that happen well yeah it's because that person's been drilling fundamentals and basics for years and years and years and years and years and not only that they've made so many mistakes but they've learned from them that's how they get better. That's how they improve. And that's how they, excuse me, <coughs> are able to do the things that they can do now. And that's how they're, you know, ending up on the podiums and, and getting the good quality, the high quality jobs and all the rest of it. It's because it's because they have, have learned things the hard way. They've, they've, they've been, um, you know, I guess that's what they call skin in the game. They've been there and they've made the mistakes. So it's, it's a incorrect assumption and a very funny one for me to see when, uh, when young coaches see what you do and then they think that's easy and like yeah okay no worries and you look at that you see their plan and you say okay and then it's absolute carnage it's a massacre and you just say well here's my plan here here's the variables i'm considering here's the variables you considered what did you expect to happen so yeah yeah. and it's just like the classic i suppose the iceberg analogy like you know i watch your session with 66 Romanian special forces guys. And I don't know, I see that you've pulled together three groups of 22 or or whatever it is you do for this session. But I don't realize, for example, how you've greeted them as you've walked in, how you've avoided um, bottlenecking around specific areas within what you're working with. Um, Why is that the guys know exactly what they're doing as soon as they walk in rather than wandering around aimlessly? Yeah. And it's because... Uh, you have to you have a group of men over the size of 20 and you've got to micromanage the hell out of them in the early days because they will just fuck around like you put more than three three males together and they'll just start messing around it doesn't matter how professional they are so you have to be meticulous especially if they don't speak the language and especially if you're on a time pinch and have have limited resources and space so um it, it starts off as micromanaging and then you start to give them more rope more rope then they'll hang themselves a little bit you pull them back in and then you let them out again and before you know it by the end of by the end of um that eight weeks we had stepped back and back and back and back and back to the point where we were able to write it on the board and we didn't we didn't do anything apart from wander around and push people put people into the right positions or help them get into the right positions so uh, our goal was to create independent intelligent decision makers who understood the system and the process and the intent of everything so uh and i don't see why that's any different from people's careers so what what i think is really important is that everybody understands that they are in control of their pathway and their journey. Don't be shocked if you get a no at an interview unless you've done absolutely everything you could have done. But then if you get a no when you've done everything you could have done, you won't treat it as shock. You'll treat it as, what can I learn from this? That no has just got me closer. 
I'm going to get in touch with these people and I'm going to learn and I'm going to get better and I'm going to improve. You're arming yourselves with the correct tools. But a lot of breakers and early survivors these days are going to, you know, turn up to a gunfight with with a knife and fork uh, or a blunt knife and fork, a spork, should we say. They're, they're just not armed and ready for, for what's going to go down. And yeah, going back to your what you just said there in terms of getting to the point where you could write the session on the board, I feel like a lot of uh, breakers do the equivalent of thinking, oh, well, if I've uh, prepared myself. I've watched Josh's session. I'll just write the session on the board. And uh, then, you know, jobs are good, but they don't realise what's gone into getting to the point where you could afford to just write it on the board and then say, off you go. And those are the things that they miss. Yep. Yep. You're right. Um, and again, keeping this one short, um, you don't know what you don't know. And but 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 really, you have to be like totally open-minded to, to understanding and, and don't assume like really assuming that you do know when, you know, if, if it doesn't go to plan, you know, you let people fail. That's absolutely fine. You let people fail and let it be carnage and a massacre. And then you'll step back after you review it and you'll say, right, what have you learned, et cetera, reflect. And, and what are you going to do next time? And then if they do it again, that doesn't come down to talent or skill. That comes down to just things like application, laziness and a lack of attention to detail. So, so yeah. And uh, finally, just in wrapping up, um, if you have a key message for the listeners for this podcast or maybe something we've um, missed that you'd like to add in, what would you like that to be? Yeah, I think the, the key message regarding your, your career is that you, you are in control of it and your pathway, that there, there is a way for you to, to periodize and plan out your, your pathway, regardless of whether it is you really know what it is you want to do or a specific job or title that you would like in the future. And in, in addition to that, you, you're, you're, the, you're the captain of your ship, so you can kind of steer things as you go. Uh, I, I fully recommend career periodization, things like getting your CV overhauled and, and, and put back together is a, is a, an absolute must. And you only really need to do it once in your career because you learn and understand the principles and then you just apply them every time. But the return on investment is huge. I mean, you, you pay a few hundred pounds to get your CV and cover letter shredded, and then you get a job that's worth an additional five grand to the you've got. That's a pretty decent ROI, isn't it? So, yeah, but but honestly, I think anyone can can reach out to me and, and get a bit more information on any of the things we've discussed. I'm more than happy to um, to talk to people. Again, you can reach me at uh, at Career Blueprint on Instagram or at Coach Blueprint One on Twitter, and also contact me via email, which is contact at yourcareer-blueprint.com. Wonderful. Thank you very much for your time, Josh. No problem. Great to chat. Thank you. Thank you for listening to episode 51 of the Platform to Perform podcast with myself, as always, Todd Davidson and today's guest, Josh Fletcher. If you've enjoyed the podcast, then I'd appreciate it if you could share it with a coach or athlete that you believe would benefit from listening to it. If you'd like to follow more of Josh's work, then you can check out his uh, Reflective Practitioners Journal, which will be coming soon. And I will include a link to this in the show notes when it is released. You can join his practitioner wellness group on Facebook using the link in the description and you can check out his Science for Sport article on career periodization by following the link in the show notes. If you've enjoyed the podcast and would like to support it, then you can head over to my Patreon 
where you will ex receive exclusive access to all 30 of my calisthenics kids lessons, my ever-expanding movement library, and all of my educational strength and conditioning content, including my programs. These are accessible exclusively via Patreon, and you can head there by checking out www.patreon.com forward slash Todd Davidson P2P Coaching. If you have any future recommendations for podcast guests or you want to reach out to me, then you can email me via platform to perform at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening and I'll catch you again in the next episode.